life is watching somebody else's life, and it's an error. We have a difficult time with that, especially if they say they're a child of God. I was raised up in, the, in, a, in a church that where, you know, there was a lot expected from you. If you was a Christian and a, a Pentecostal believer, empowered by the Holy Ghost, there was a lot expected from you. So I expected a lot from people growing up. When I'd see this person who testified and said they were a great person in God, I expected a lot from them. Do you know what I found out in life? I found out that that was not right for me to do that. Because you see, when you're right, eyes are focused on you. When wrong, you're focused on. Don't make no difference if you're right or wrong. Somebody is looking at you. You've heard me say it before. You're leading someone to heaven or hell, and I believe that too. But as an individual, I do not need to pick somebody out and look at their life and say whether they're saved or not saved. I've preached funerals of people that were killed in car accidents. Uh, I didn't even know. I've preached suicides, all types of suicide, teenagers and adults. I've preached every kind of funeral I guess you can just about think of, of different people. A lot of people I didn't even know that I was called on to preach. And when I'd preached their funeral, I knew that I could never say anything about that person because I didn't know that person. But then it was the easiest funeral to preach because I did not know that person. I wasn't obligated to say something that I knew about them or didn't know about them. So I would get up and preach the word of the Lord, and it was very easy. People would say, oh, what a wonderful funeral. This is the best funeral I've ever heard in my life. And I didn't even know the person. All it was was lifting up the Lord. That's all it was. Did you know that that's all that God wants from us in a day that we live? Every day we live is for us just to lift up his name. To not focus on a church or groups of people in a church or leaders in a church or members in a church. God does not want us to focus on those things. We have a hard time with it because we expect a lot out of people who say they are great. Look at Mr. Clinton. He's the president of our United States. And sure, we have a he has a responsibility to us. He's dead wrong in most everything he says. And I'm just saying that he's just dead wrong. But, if I focused on him and what he does wrong, did you know what? There'd be no peace in my life. If I focused on things I disagreed with, you know what? I'd be going out hammering the man all the time. i tell you what I don't like, buddy. I don't hear nothing I like. But Satan uses those things to get my eyes and focus up on something or someone that is expected a lot of. Now, you can look at Jesus... And you can expect all you want to because he's everything he said he is and would be. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. He is everything that, we, that the Word says he is. He has never sinned. He'll never sin. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever because he is God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The three are one, praise God. And God is not a liar. Could I hear an amen? God cannot sin. Amen? Amen. And God changes his mind about a lot of things that happens in our life because we determine the destiny of where we're going and what we're going to do by the life that you live. It's allotted 73 to 75 years for a person to live, according to the book of Psalms. 
So every one of us has really just almost been guaranteed a 75-year period. But there's a lot of things that changes our physical bodies that causes death to come early. If you put things into your body, and here's another thing, we focus so much on the things that, that people that we don't do that other people do, and we call that the things that we put in our body. But you know the very things. I'm a diabetic. I, I've had to confess that, you know. I, you live in denial all them years, you know. For about seven years, I live in denial. I said, I am not a diabetic. My mama, my daddy would, my grandma would, my great-grandma would. Oh, Ken folk would, but I'm not no diabetic. That sissified stuff, and I am, I am strong. I am not a diabetic, but I got news for you. I am a full-pledged, needle-shooting diabetic now. And the reason that I am a diabetic, I didn't take advice from my doctor. Someone told me one time, says, it's been when I had a heat stroke back in 71. He says, you are a hypoglycemic. And I said, what in the world is that? He said, that is low blood sugar. I said, well, I ain't going to be no diabetic. He said, yes, one day you will be a diabetic if you do not follow proper procedure of dieting. I said, what's this dieting stuff? I'd always eat what I want to when I want to. Work it all off. So I had to go to the lettuce patch. You need to eat vegetables. You need to eat this. And I told my wife, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll always work it off like I always have. I'm not going to be no diabetic, but I got news for you. When you eat enough of the wrong things long enough, you know what happens? Your physical body begins to change. Look at your health center. Uh, no, you weren't going to judge us tonight, preacher. I'm not judging you. I want you to get to thinking with me about the Lord being your shepherd. Now, my spiritual life evolves around my relationship with God and it has nothing to do with anybody else, the church or my calling or anything. It has nothing to do with it. It is my individual relationship with God. I can be happy, Brother Brian, or I can be sad. When a problem comes and it hits my mind, I can go to Galatians 5 and 22 with Scripture and says that the fruit of the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. Put this temper thing in there too. I can make a decision according to what God says if I'm going to let His Spirit live in me. I can choose not to allow something to affect my thinking. Or my flesh can bleed and I can say, this is the way I think, this is the way I feel, this is what I'm going to do, blah, 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 you all in a tizzy. How many know what I'm talking about? Raise your little hand. Liars, liars, pants on fire, don't raise your hand now. So I have a choice tonight to decide, am I going to let God be my shepherd or do I want him as a part-time God? It's my choice, Brother Huff. I, I can let God be number one or I can put him on the back burner. I said to you when I started teaching this, and we're winding it up, that I was not sure that the Lord is my shepherd. And I said that honestly. Because if the Lord is my shepherd then I'm not going to be in want. And I find myself in plenty of want. I find myself worrying, why has God not done this? Then we go to the scriptures that Sister Glanton had already quoted, I believe it was, about trusting in the Lord. No, it was Sister Allen. That trusting in the Lord with all your heart. heart first, uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not to your own mind. Not your own mind. This is the mind that God gave us, but don't lean on this mind. But in all of your ways of your mind to acknowledge God. That God is in this with me, whether I want him to or not, and the difference in the success or the failure in the situation is my response to his truth. So I have to respond to God's truth by saying, are you my shepherd? Because if you're my shepherd, I don't have a problem. Thank y'all. The rest of y'all liven up just a little bit. It'll help me along real quick. So if the Lord is going to be my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Now this is the words of the Lord. These are not mine. But when you search them out, it means do you totally trust God or you trust Him sometimes? Susie Burden has been a great testimony. We had our mission service and, and Susie had lost her husband. She'd had a hard time growing up in life. Knowing a lot of the details of her life, it's, I really do appreciate this sister. Still mad at her for moving, but I appreciate her and love her. And I told her so. And I said, when are you going to move back? But in a mission service, where the Lord spoke to our church, and our church gave $10,000 from its building fund, and then we took a $5,000 cash offer. $15,000 come from this church in one service, and didn't nobody know we were going to give nothing until the service started. That is God working in his people. Now understand something. If you move the decimal points, on $15,000, you can put as many as zero on two and do them like you do mathematically. Come from the end, count three zeros, three zeros, three zeros, whatever. You're going to come down, you got to put a decimal point somewhere. Let me tell you something, church, and I still believe this all my heart. You're looking at at least $15,000 return. You're looking at $150,000 return, or you're looking at $1.5 million return. $1.5 billion dollar return. Hey, if God gives $1, can he give what he wants? He looks on the heart of the church. The church has a spirit of giving. This church has a spirit of giving. Did you hear what I said? This church has a spirit, spirit of God of giving and care for people. It may not meet all your expectations, but that spirit is in the midst of this ministry. And you do not use God's spirit and minister his spirit without God saying, I'm going to bless it. It's impossible. Or I just might as well close the book tonight and never preach it again. The word specifically tells us that God is the God of increase. Now, if you put 15,000 minutes into God, that could turn into a great, a great result of blessing. If you put 1.5 minutes into prayer in a day, acknowledging God, that can give great dividends. I do not read when I study about Moses, I, I don't read to where he went up and begged God and all this confrontation, all these uh, hours and days went by that he just held up the staff that God had in his hand 
and the waters parted. I don't, I don't see the time element. But look what happened when he gave that 1.5 or whatever time it was to God and belief in God, and God then gave a result. And the waters parted. Now the waters, folks, I'm going to tell you something. That would be something to go out here to any lake and see the thing open up where you can drive your car through it. But what's more amazing is it's dry. That is really mind-boggling. I can see where a wind could separate them things, but to dry that thing and dust be on that ground and dry when you look it up. I used to say, well, dry ground. And I look at it, that word dry, man, it means nostrils taking the dust. It'll come up in your mouth, mouth there, you know. So as these people went through, all the dust was coming up off their feet and then running through, look at these big old walls of water. Why? Because this man Moses was obedient to burning bush. He didn't understand God's ways, but he did it anyway. So the Lord became a shepherd to him. He began to say, whatever you want, then what I'll do. I don't want to do it. I feel incapable of doing it. I've got a speech impediment, and I don't think I'm going to be able to handle it. God said, don't worry, will you do it? He said, yes, I'll do it. So as a result of that, God showed many miracles to people, and they went to the other side and were saved. Now, God's church is still pulling dividends from Egypt. His church rose then, and it's on the rise now. Hallelujah. I don't care what the devil says, a 1.5 prayer done been put into it. There's already 1.5 obedience done put into it. Oh, hallelujah. There's already 1.5 of labor done put into it a long time ago, and the church still stands and praises the Lord, and there's going to be a great dividend that takes place for people who endure to the end of the way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Look in your Bibles. I'm reading from the New International Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores, say it with me, He restores my soul. Why does your soul need restoration? You know, we need confirmation and assurance on occasion that everything's all right between us and God. And let me tell you how you can find that out. It's when sin hits you between the eyes and you're able to say no to sin. And if you sin, it needs restoration. Satan, John 10, 10, has come to do what? He's come to steal the joy of the Lord. He's come to kill the relationship with you and God. And he's come to destroy the soul. But my soul needs restoring by my joy being reiterated to who God is in my life on a daily basis. I don't need joy just on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. I need the joy of the Lord when hell hits me right between the eyes. You're not going to see much devil in the church. Not God's church, not the church that worships. You're not going to see a whole lot of the devil. He'll come, he'll have to be cast out, or he'll have to leave. You're not going to see a whole lot of it unless you work devilment yourself. And I'm not going to let that happen if I can help it. Because I'm a shepherd that loves you, and I got that crooked stick. And I'll get you by the nap of the neck and say, you are going in the wrong direction. Did you know it? 
I love you that much. I can't pat you on the back and say, well, you know, he shouldn't have said that to you neither, but you just, you know, and smooth it over. No, brother, it's your responsibility. Don't restore it. But he hurt my meaning. No, no kidding. Feelings will absolutely send you to hell. You've got to go to that person and restore them. Paul says when you see a brother in fault, go restore him. We, we, it's okay as long as it was Pete and Brother Shaw, maybe. But when it comes to me and Pete, it's a different story. i got to forgive you, and you have to forgive him. And that's the way God is. If the Lord is going to be our shepherd, we have to have a constant attitude of forgiveness. Because then you're not being in want when the Lord is number one in your life because you're just walking around. You know, you ever seen somebody and you become critical of them? They're walking around, praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Happy. So, man, what's the matter with them people? What is wrong with them Christians? Walking around, hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Everybody's sick in our family. Mine ain't. Glory. Hallelujah. Did you know I believe that if we praise the Lord for not being sick, we wouldn't be as sick as much as we are? But we, whether we get sick, we say, God, heal me. Enter into his presence with what? Asking? Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Get up in the morning and say, The Lord is my shepherd, and I will not be in want today. He is everything I need. Five minutes later, you get a phone call and your child got killed on the way to school. Oh, sad in my heart, but the Lord is my shepherd. Now, even though I walk through battles of shadows of death, I won't fear any evil because God's with me. Hallelujah. You go up and you see that kid, and everybody thinks you didn't love him because you're smiling. Brother, I Well, praise God. God gave it, and God took it, and God can have all the glory for it. Oh, God, why is my flesh under attack? God, why? Not the shepherd. Oh, you're forgetting about the human aspect of man and, 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 the, and the man's mind and, and, and all the physical things. You're forgetting that fact. No, I'm not. Because if the Lord is first, then what are you worried about? If God's number one, then where is your faith? If God's number one, why is there any doubt? If God is number one, why worry about anything? If God is number one and he's your shepherd, you can say, praise the Lord in all things. I will praise and glorify and magnify God no matter what the temptation or problem will be if the Lord is your shepherd. He makes me to lie down. The Lord makes us lie down. Sometimes we're so so righteous minded that we're no heavenly no no good for, for heaven's sake on this earth. We find ourselves calling ourselves believers, but yet our spirits crushed. The Lord makes you lie down and you learn when you have to lie down. I did not understand why I was sick, but the Lord told me plainly today if I take care of myself I'd be healed. Hello? I was mad at Sister Rose this morning. And 
you just now find it out. Aren't you? Oh, you're not. She's kin to God. She's all-knowing. But, you know, I, when you take that shot, you pump it in, you know, you want somebody to feel sorry for you. Hey, if I got to take a shot, you going to watch. Ooh, that hurt. Oh, Lord, that hurt. Oh, watch it. Look at it. Remember that every time you don't cook what you're supposed to cook. Put guilt trips on it. Now, I know none of y'all never do that. Y'all are not deceiving at all, are you? Well, Garmin, don't get me started on you over there. Please, don't get me started on you. I'll have to stop service and just... So I was sitting in the house, my father-in-law was out there, he and I got some equipment off we had to go get, and I was just kind of sitting around today and on the phone, just different things, and I was hungry and hadn't had no breakfast, and she took off and had to, she's working over here at church some now, and, and, and I wanted something to eat, and I, she said, you want me to fix something for you? I said, no, if you ain't done fixing it now, just forget it. That was, oh, I woke her up over here. <laughs> Oh! <laughs> and I was feeling kind of sorry myself. I'm, you know, on somebody to pick me a meal, right? Don't you do it? I'm blaming it still on somebody else. So I hadn't had nothing to eat all day and been in and out. And I come in, I'm about to starve to death. I'm hungry. Well, I had some crackers over there, so I got me some crackers. And the devil says, there's a Coca-Cola in the refrigerator. I said, hmm, I forgot about that one that's hid. I reached in there and got it, popped the top on that thing, popped the witness. He was sitting there. I'm eating these crackers, and I'm drinking this Coca-Cola, and the Lord says, you know your sugar's going to be high in a little bit. Ooh. Now, I'm showing you my faults because I want you to identify, relate. Don't judge me, judge yourself. I, I, I was drinking that thing, and I, I know that doctor said, Dad, the worst thing you can do is drink a Coca-Cola. I said, but I love Coca-Cola. He says, that's the worst thing you can take. The worst thing you can put in your body is a Coca-Cola. Because of sugar content. Well, they was tea, unsweet tea, water. Diet Coke that I just put out there in case there ain't nothing to drink and I have to drink it. But I need that one Coca-Cola been cold, been, been in that refrigerator getting cold now for, for a week. And I said, man, this is the hour. This is the time that I can blow it all right now. And with that hesitation, I got them crackers and I pumped it, you know, and I'm drinking it. And the Lord's saying to me, he says, you're hurting yourself. And I said, be quiet, God, I got to preach tonight. I got to have my energy. Now, come on, folks, you know what I'm talking about. You do the same thing. Is the Lord our shepherd? No. We're wanting something. Why? Because of disobedience. Were you preaching to me tonight? I done repented. How about you? Yeah, I done repented. I had to repent. I can't get up here and tell you something and me not repent. Good Lord. That's dumb. Blind leading blind. Falling a ditch. Devil's casting out devils. Can't do it. I repent all the time of over inconsistencies and those things, but God is not mad at me. He said, if you'd obey me, you'd not be in one. You mean I wouldn't have to do this? That's right. 
The doctor said you was a hypoglycemic, and one day you'd be a diabetic because it runs in your family if you do not eat proper diet. The preachers told me the same thing. If you do not live according to the word of the Lord, you will die and go to hell. But if you live for the Lord, you'll go to heaven. Same scenario. Amen. If you don't fuss with her, she ain't going to fuss with you. And if she don't fuss with you, you're not going to fuss with her. Oh, it may last for a minute, but if you don't put no coal all on no fire, I've not seen nothing blazing up except it or maybe a piece of wood that was that was really had some, some stuff in it that made it go up. I mean, you've got to feed something for it to happen. If you feed the appetite of sin, no matter what it is, I'm here to tell you something. You're not living in that place of Psalms 23 where the Lord is our complete shepherd. Because if he is, you're not going to be in one and you're going to live victorious and every battle you have, you'll win it because victory has already been won through Jesus. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Crowd testing that. I'm sorry. But I find myself in life trying to blame somebody else for my sin. I want to find somebody who caused me to feel the way I feel. But when I read the Word, and as I study the Word, I cannot find it in the Scriptures. It is nobody's fault but mine. The doctor told me just two years ago, you eat right, you do right, you will not have to take medication. Why do you say that? Because you have the type of diabetes you have. You can control it with your eating. Give me that's the hardest thing in the world to do. I ain't got to have suds no more. I hated suds. Suds caused my family to go to hell. Then our family works on me. Not of the sudger. Mix sudging with too bad attitude. You got a problem on your hands. Everybody does it. The saint never tempt me with alcohol. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Somebody else's mind ticking. I wonder if he does. I wonder if y'all do it too. I guess God don't want no for sure, ain't it? <laughs> so you do not watch the watch. I told you not to do it. Start with. Don't judge nobody. That mind goes to thinking. I wonder. I wonder. The devil said he put these thoughts. You go to flank it. Next thing you know, you done blowed out. You happy a minute ago. Now you blow the slap out. When the Lord becomes your shepherd, you become a gentle and a meek and a kind person. And everything that comes your way. You're able to handle it through God and God alone, through no ability on your own except the mind to choose, the will to choose. Uncon you get God's agape love, not some of it. When you really get, when the Lord becomes your shepherd, you are completely agapified. Is that a word? Hope it is. Brian, is that a word? Agapified? In Hebrew it is. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that interpretation. I, your wife was shaking her head. No, I'd like you to counsel her after church. She was going, no, it's not a word. <laughs> Folks tonight, 
it didn't go the way I was planning on going, but I'm, I'm speaking in my spirit and what the Lord's telling me about this scripture. If the Lord is going to be your shepherd, you've got to learn to let him control you. You not control him. Yes, sir, my sister. That agape love, when it gets inside you, it is unconditional, and you do not see faults of other people, even though it's laid out right in front of you, but you forgive them. I shared this with you many times before, but I, I really feel it. The young man I told you in Cartersville, his wife, he murdered his wife, put her on the house, and his brother-in-law is still good friends of mine, and we were in a, we in a, a jail ministry together and went to Bar Bartow County Jail once every week, and we ministered to people. His brother-in-law, when he was arrested for the murder, was put into Bartow, Bartow County Jail, and so we had to go visit him that following Tuesday if we were going to keep the ministry going. Blockage. What we're going to do about ministry next week, because he was the leader and I was just someone that assisted him ministering, preaching. He said, I can't go. He said, I am afraid. Listen to this word. I am afraid that I, if I can get my hands on him, will hurt him. Because he butchered knife my sister, hid her under the house like some piece of meat. He said, I don't think I can. Pastor May steps in, brings the families in every day, ministering to them about forgiveness. They didn't want to hear it to start with, but the word of the Lord given to them about forgiveness, they had to accept either God or live in the way they wanted to live. The next week, I said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to jail. I said, man, don't go in and get us all locked up. They probably asked me for something they ain't caught me with, and I don't need much encouragement. They don't need much encouragement anyway. Don't get me locked up. He said, let's, let's go. We go in. Comes down time to come to the cell to where his brother-in-law is. Tears. This is agape. Tears. Begin to flow down Marlon's face. As he looked through that cell said I love you with the love of Jesus and I forgive you he let me minister to you and he literally cursed us out and have nothing to do with us every time we'd go he won't see us let me tell you something when he's all alone he ain't got nobody else he's going to remember the opposition that was opposition against him Said, I love you with the love of Jesus. And that will penetrate his spirit, his heart, and he will know who the shepherd, hallelujah, really is. Well, there would you come up here, I'm first. You have a full life study Bible. If you'll study those notes there in verse 5 and 6, I was going to bring a lot of scriptures out to you tonight, but I just spoke my spirit, my heart, and I feel God has spoken tonight to us. It don't matter what you say you are, who you say you are, it's a matter of your attitude and response to who you really are. And I'm learning every day I live, Sister Allen, Brother Allen, I'm learning every day that there are things that I don't like, but if I'm going to have God as my shepherd, I've got to learn to accept that He is directing things. 
he is my director. Even though people may come against me and say hard things against me for whatever reason, I find out that if I'm going to let the Lord be my shepherd, I have to submit to the Spirit of the Lord quickly. To the Holy Spirit, say, not my will but thine. I don't beat no beans about being around her before. I've been in gunfights. I've been in all kinds of problems. But I've never had nobody to put a gun in my face till downstairs one day and a man backed me up that stairs, demonic, totally possessed of the devil, with a hammer cocked on a 12-gauge shotgun. One shot had already missed my head six inches. Backed me up that, that stairwell. The first thing that came to me I'm going to take that gun away from him and whoop it around his neck. And he'll wish he'd never done that to me. And I just got through preaching just minutes earlier about nothing has power over the blood of Jesus. I'll never forget it. I preached it. I said nothing. And God put me to the challenge or allowed me to be challenged that day. Because I went down and when this young man was in the room down there, I was he was hollering and screaming. I'm going to tell you folks, there used to be a prayer walk around about that tall, about that big around. It took four of us men to do all we could do to get in that room there up under that cross. And that thing was being bounced around like a basketball in there that day, bursting that floor all to pieces, picking it up and throwing it down. Demonic powers have powers. When you let your flesh get out of control, it can absolutely destroy yourself. When that gun backed me up that hall, I constantly repeated, I called his name. And I said, I love you with the love of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus. Boy, and I could feel that blood I'd preached about. It was royal. And honestly, I didn't have fear at that point. The fear came later. But I didn't have no fear because I was under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I was trying to salvage a man's life. And we did. But it's a big difference when it's really just you in the opposition. Not somebody talking about it but it really is happening with a gun in your face, drawn hammer back, eyes that look like cocoa bottoms. They were so big and glassy. Telling me to clear this church or he's fixing to clear that for me. And I backed up and tears running out of my face. And I said, I forgive you and I love you with the love of Jesus. I forgive you and I love you with the love of Jesus. We'll tell you something, folks easy to worship God in church. It's easy. But if the Lord's going to be your shepherd, you're going to have to learn when you're in the valleys and shadows of death, you won't fear evil because God's going to be with you. You've got to understand that. You've got to understand Isaiah 41 and 10. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is with me. I want to encourage you tonight that if the Lord is not your complete shepherd, if you only call out to Him when the wolf gets after you or the bear or the lion, I want to encourage you tonight that when the bear and the lion's not roaring and the wolf's not sneaking around your camp, find time to praise God as you've never praised Him before. Find time to say, You're my shepherd, Lord, and I feel Your presence, and I feel Your love engulfing me, pulling down around me, comforting me. And then when the storm comes, you'll have the power. You'll have the power with your shepherd's help. That staff will be out there. That, that staff, that, that crooked staff will be out there to help pull you back into the fold. That rod. In study it says that the rod the Bible's talking about is a stick that you beat things with. 
The Lord is my rod and He's my staff. He beats the enemy off of me. He takes, the, he takes that staff and He pulls me back into Him with that hook that's made specifically to put around the sheep's neck, to pull Him in or to pull His leg in. That's what God is doing. He is my rod. He is my staff. He comforts me. I love Him with my heart, not just my mind. And when my mind's under attack, I will allow my spirit to flow to truth. Say, this is what God says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's protecting me. He's my rod. He's my staff. He's my cover. He restores my soul. He gives me joys unspeakable and full of glory. It is the Lord that works in me. Why should I let myself get out here and be beat up when God has given me a way of escape? Would you stand to your feet, please? Well, I feel God's love. I'd like for everybody in this church, if you would come around this altar.